Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is on the Durgar race. This is part of our race overview series where we go over all the possible player races. And right now, we're on the uncommon races. Durgar, Christian, these are kind of like the dark dwarves. And I'm only saying that based off of a picture. I've read nothing about them, but am I right? Is this the drow equivalent for the elves? It is the Durgar for the dwarves? Yes, Caleb. They are, in fact, the equivalent of drow. It's the perfect way to put it. Um, obviously, their lore and how they came about is different than the drow, but essentially they are dark dwarves. They are more likely to be evil. They appear in this ashen, darky skin kind of stuff. And they have a penchant for uh, spell-like abilities like the drow cousins. I like this. This one line seems pretty, uh, uh, maybe not indicative, but very interesting to them. Uh, Durgar view life as ceaseless toil ended only by death. Though few can be described as anything other than vile and cruel, Durgar still value honor and rarely break their word. Way to throw in something kind of redeemable there. They're not just like, they're bad guys, so your PC is going to be a bad guy. Which is a nice way of saying that they are lawful evil by nature. That is where their alignment tends to. A lot of races have that, like, you know, they're naturally this alignment. Doesn't mean they can't be other alignments, but it just means it's what they tend to do because of the nature of where they grow up and the environment they live in. They're 8 RP. Which is, like, that's, like, average, right? I, I'm not sure, honestly. I think I think that's, like, the, the stat line. Like, 7, 8 seems to be, like, the normal amount. They're adults at 40 years, middle-aged at 125, old at 188, venerable at 250. You can live up to... 450 years old, which I'm guessing is the same as a dwarf, and I am correct. <laughs> when am I ever wrong? <laughs> I'll be sure to point it out. <laughs> no, please don't. It'll, like, make the episodes five times as long. Wrong. They can, <laughs> they can be between 3 feet 11 and 4 feet 5 inches, and weigh between 164 and 262 pounds. I think that's all comparable to the dwarves, if not, like, exactly the same. I gotta say, the art looks great. I actually really like the way they look. And I don't like dwarves. Y'all, everybody knows that. But these guys are cool. I'm pretty sure um, one of the newer releases of a Paizo product, um, it was like a evil-aligned campaign, and they made like evil iconic NPCs. Or excuse me, evil iconic P- uh, PCs, kind of. And I think one of them was a Durgar. And his backstory was, if I recall correctly, like the most like generic evil thing I had ever read. <laughs> I was very disappointed. And how I do bad things because I'm bad. Linearly evil the character was. They are hardy and observant, but also belligerent. They get a plus two con, plus two wisdom, and minus four charisma. How does that compare with the dwarves? That is identical to the dwarf, except the dwarf only gets a minus two to charisma instead of a minus four to charisma. So right there, that's strictly worse. Strictly worse. Interesting. So it best be getting better later on. Durgar are humanoids with the dwarf subtype. They don't get their own subtype or anything like that. They're medium creatures. Like the dwarves, they have slow and steady, which means they have a base speed of 20 feet, but encumbrance never reduces it below 20 feet. They begin play speaking common, dwarven, and undercommon, and they can choose from Aklo, Draconic, Giant, Goblin, Orc, and Terran. Terran making sense, Giant making sense. I'm not sure why Draconic has dragons like to live in caves and stuff. Mm-hmm. Why do dragons pick caves if they can fly? There's there's entire books on that, Caitlin. <laughs> Listen, you got a nest somewhere, I guess. You can't put a bed of coins in the sky, Caleb. Although they're they're wizards, so they totally could. 
And now I need to make an encounter of just like just a flying treasure horde. And it's like, what's that? And you get close to it, and then like nine dragons attack you. Okay, we've so far we see that they're they're almost exactly the same, except for uh, less two less charisma. So these racial traits better be pretty interesting. The first one we get to are Durgar immunities. They are immune to paralysis, phantasms, and poison. They gain a plus two racial bonus on saves against spells and spell-like abilities. Whoa. Just straight immunity to three things? Alright, I don't think I've ever seen an example of a phantasm off the top of my head, but paralysis and poison are not uncommon. I think that's similar to, like, what uh, a dragon's resistances are. Yes. Um, and they still get the plus two uh, racial bonus against saves and spell-like abilities. Excuse me, against spells and spell-like abilities, which, you know, is already one of the strongest traits of the dwarves. So this is just that, but even stronger. This seems pretty powerful. It does seem incredibly powerful. The race builder gives that actually a four point for the race point costs. It, that, that's a lot. They are eight RP, so half of their strength is right there. Hmm. They have stability, which means they get a plus four bonus to their CMD against bull rush or trip maneuvers while on solid ground. Very situational. I'm not sure how often it comes around, but that would be good to have when it happens. It's something I would probably replace. Next, they have magical racial traits. They have two of them. The first one is Enlarge Person Spell-like Ability, a.k.a. we didn't actually want to come up with a name for this. <laughs> a Durgar can use Enlarge Person once per day, using its character level as its caster level, and affecting itself only. Okay, that's actually pretty strong. Just a free use of Enlarge Person once per day. I find that a very useful spell. So Enlarge Person, I guess that gives you a strength and con, I'm guessing? Um, mostly just strength, and then the size bonus that comes with that, so you get reach. Oh, cool. All right, well, they also have Invisibility Spellic Ability, which is the same thing, except with Invisibility once per day. Uh, that is also impressive. That kind of says, like, hey, you want to be... I, mean, I was about to say you could be want to be a rogue, but pretty much every class would be very excited to be invisible once per day. Yeah, that's that's insanely strong. They get a level one town, a level one and a level two spell, just they get to cast it for free. Um, that Those two spells are only listed as three of their RP. That seems really low for me. If I just start tacking Invisibility... On races, I feel like that'd be really strong. But once per day is quite a limited factor, though. Once per day, you can become a hulking monster and sneak up on people because you're invisible. <laughs> Use them both in conjunction. It is pretty much the, lessest, the, the, the least version of invisibility, which means if you do pretty much do anything interesting, you'll lose it. It's only once per day. So I can kind of feel, what, kind of play devil's advocate. I totally agree with you, but I kind of feel how it can be 3 RP. But let's go to the next thing. Superior Dark Vision. Durgar have superior dark vision, allowing them to see perfectly in the dark up to 120 feet, which is double the standard range for dark vision. Makes sense if you're underground all the time. But to balance that out, they get light sensitivity, which they're dazzled in areas of bright light. Wow, they uh, for 8 RP, I'm very surprised at how powerful these abilities are. Yeah, but you know what? I will say, I think losing, uh, being having the minus 4 to charisma, I think this kind of balances out a little bit. I like that, especially if you're somebody like me, which hates having any negative numbers at all. I'm having to waste four points just to get rid of my negative charisma score. Uh, but for anyone else who's not as crippled as me by their OCD, I still think it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. So I think it, it, you're, you're trading well, I think. Yeah, most of their weaknesses, I feel, come through as a uh, role-playing perspective. You have to role-play that charisma. And you have to role-play the fact that you are something that is probably ostracized by most societies that aren't Durgar. So if you're playing mm -hmm. outside of an underground campaign, people are going to be like, ew, what's this thing? Why am I talking to it? Get away from me. Sure. But that's all out the window if you're doing a homebrew. Exactly. Um, but they do have some alternate racial traits. All right. right now, the only one I really care about exchanging out is stability. The rest I actually like a lot. 
Um, and then I might be willing to do some sort of trade with my dark vision to make it less favorable to light sensitivity. But let's see. First alternate racial trait is blood. Oh, no. It's a hard word. Enmity. It's one of my favorite words. I love it. Enmity? Mm-hmm. Enmity. Um, this is going to replace the invisibility spell-like ability. Durgar have long warred against their dwarven cousins and the hated drow. Durgar with this racial trait receive a plus one racial bonus on attack rolls against humanoid creatures of the dwarf or elf subtypes. I will keep the invisibility. <laughs> not to say that's not good, but I feel like invisibility is still much stronger. Sure. I don't know, because like you, you'll take like a whole feat just to get a plus one on, on your rolls, right? So this is this is almost sort of feat equal, and it's I think it's some uh, you know race guide feat equal. Um, that's a really weird weird way to say that sentence, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Uh, so I think that it, it would be worth it if you know you're going up a lot of dwarves and elves or drow. They are day-sighted, or sorry, you can pick day-sighted, which the cruel light of the sun harms some Durgar less than others. You lack the light sensitivity racial trait, but you have dark vision of only 60 feet. Something exactly what I was talking about. I saw this coming because I knew that other races had done that. Uh, this is something I would consider picking, definitely. Unless you're in an always underground campaign. Mm-hmm. Unless it's the opposite of always sunny. <laughs> Next is deep magic. Durgar spellcasters labor long to overcome the inborn spell resistance held by so many of their underground foes. Durgar with this racial trait receive a plus two racial bonus on caster level checks made to overcome spell resistance, and a plus two racial bonus on dispel checks. This replaces both the enlarged person and invisibility spell-like abilities. That's, it's, that's pretty good. It's hard to get bonuses on dispel checks, those are few and far between, and being good at dispel checks allows you to overcome a lot of challenges that a GM can throw at you in the realm of magical effects. And I also think it's, as a as a caster, I'm, I'm not going to get a whole lot of use out of enlarged person. Especially because it can so. only target yourself. And you lose decks, which you need for your touch tax. Mm-hmm. Dwarf traits. You can select any dwarf racial trait that replaces stability. You can select dwarf traits that replace the hardy dwarf trait by giving up Durgar immunities instead. I think I'll keep Durgar immunities. <laughs> yep, I guess it gives you, um, always love extra flexibility, especially if you want to really bring some sort of RP built into uh, your racial traits. Yeah, that, that is a very big branch of options. Something that I wish the Changeling had. Um, you know, this this opens up the door guard to have a lot, a lot of options, whereas the Changeling was very, very limited in what they could choose. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like Dwargor Immunities is so very, very powerful that you, I'd be hard-pressed to... Even for flavor, I'd be like, but I want to be immune to paralysis. Sure, definitely. Um, usually you don't mention your favorite class options, but there is one I want to mention, and that's for the Kineticist. It's not in this book, obviously, because the Kineticist came out way after. Uh, but you can get one-fifth of an extra wild talent as long as you spend it on Earth Elemental uh, Element Wild Talent. Makes sense. Very them- thematic. I love it. By the way, I have a, a new secret goal, Christian. Okay. Is I'm trying to use the word thematic instead of flavorful. But flavorful is a very flavorful word. <laughs> it can be your word, Christian. It has been for the longest time, and I'm not <laughs> changing. <laughs> they have one, one archetype. The Grey Disciple for the monk. Which monk is probably, like, when it comes to power gaming the Durgar, monk seems like the number one option because they're like one of the only classes that can completely dump charisma and they really want both con and wisdom. Sure. Let's talk about the racial feats. They got two of them. The first one is called Giant Steps. This requires you to be Durgar and you cannot replace the slow and steady racial trait. When enlarged, your speed increases. So I, I feel like you should also not replace your enlarged person spell. When your size increases to large or larger, your base speed increases by 20 feet. 
This increase only applies if the effect that change your size does not otherwise alter your speed. I don't know if I'd spend a feat on that, but that's pretty strong and interesting. And you know what? That enlarged person spell does not affect your speed, so it has that synergy. Even though they start at 20, so this would bring them up to 40 foot move speed, but suddenly becoming big and becoming fast is, like, that's a double threat coming at you. Yeah, but easily replaced with a uh, magic item, but it can stack with a magic item, so. Then they have lingering invisibility. When your invisibility ends, you gain concealment for one round per minute of duration the invisibility effect had remaining. This only occurs if the invisibility is from your racial spell-like ability or a spell you cast. Okay, a little bit limiting. Either gotta, you've got to bring it on yourself, but still, uh, I don't know how long does invisibility last. That's what's going to make this interesting or not. A minute a level. usually lasts one minute per level. Concealment for, like, the rest of the encounter is what this is saying. Which that's, I mean, still technically only once a day unless you have a class that can otherwise achieve invisibility. If you were like a rogue or ninja Durgar, which would be kind of a weird path to take it, you couldn't get a lot of use out of this. Oh, wait, no. It has to be a spell you cast, so I don't think like ninja's key vanish would count because they're not casting that spell. It's a spell. It's like a supernatural ability or something. I feel like a, a reasonable GM would allow that, though. Yeah. For your your, <laughs> your super special ninja Durgar. <laughs> oh, we're, you should have make one now. That's 25. 20- Base speed is really helpful for With a katana, and he wants to be a Hokage. Kata- a kata hammer. <laughs> a ninja with a giant war maul. <laughs> uh, not too exciting, but I, I don't want to say it's outright terrible. Concealment's powerful, and concealment is always much more powerful later in the game. When enemies have such a high attack bonuses, that concealment is a much better form of defense than AC. They've got one racial item. Christian, what is it? It's, it is a poison. I think this is the first time we've seen a racial poison. Outside of, like, X, greeting it out of, like, your mouth or something. Uh, it's called Spell Scorch Poison. It costs 200 gold to make a dose of this. It is an injury poison, so you have to hurt someone to get it in their body. It is a Fortitude Save DC 14. So not particularly strong. Let's see what it does. The initial effect is unconsciousness for one minute. Okay, that's very strong. And then there's a secondary effect. Refined from rare underground crystals, this poison causes a burning headache that impedes spell casting. If the target fails its fortitude save, for the next minute, the target must make a concentration check with a DC equal to 10, plus spell level to cast a spell, and all other concentration checks to cast spells take a minus 5 penalty. I'm much more concerned about the unconsciousness for one minute. Uh, I Actually, I don't see that unconsciousness anywhere in this book here. I'm not sure where you're getting the unconsciousness from. Um, it's under frequency for me, initial effect. Strange, it must have been some sort of um, errata, because that's not here at all. Doesn't mention it. Oh, I'm actually not seeing that on Archive of Nethys, so prob- might just be a Hero Lab thing for some reason. Oh, so without the unconsciousness, this isn't very good. I've also never heard of an initial and secondary effect between poisons, but I don't know poison super well. Well, if it doesn't bring you unconscious, I think it's good for low levels. If it does, I think it can it can be worth the risk of the likely save to maybe continue using it in middle levels. Because unconsciousness is so powerful. Spellcasters aren't known for their hardy constitution and their fortitude save, so I guess it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. It's a relatively easy concentration check, but, you know, every tool against a spellcaster is a tool you want to have, usually. Sure. So that's the Durgar. Christian, how do you feel about them? It's hard to say, because I feel like they walk this line of, they have these very, they're very polarized. They have these very powerful abilities at the cost of pretty strong drawbacks, which I don't think that's a way of balancing a race we've seen before. Typically, they like have some relatively useful things and then have some relatively not as useful things. 
Um, this is a case where, like, I feel like some of their abilities are like, wow, that's insanely powerful. And then other ones are like, mm, that's kind of crippling. Uh, Flavor-wise, I feel like they're hard to fit into a party, but I actually, I don't think they're... I don't find them as, say, edgy as the drow, which is a word, another word I love to say a lot. Um, but I feel like they're not too difficult to get into an adventuring party outside of the underground, maybe. I think they're interesting. I, I always like the idea of alternate things. I like the idea of the dark sides of things. Um, I, I could care less about the, the story behind them, because I usually o- only do homebrew, so it means nothing to me. I just make up my own stuff. Uh, but just based off their stats and stuff like that, I, I definitely enjoy what you had said, which is like, it's got a really bad side and then a really good side. I love that kind of balancing. I think that's very interesting. I think a lot, it polarizes a lot of people. A lot of people would be like, if, if I had made this myself and put it up on uh, a website for people in, in the community to talk about, they'd say like, I don't know, that seems really bad. And the next person would say, I don't know, that one thing seems really good. It's a very polarizing way to balance, but I do enjoy it and I think it's a good way to do it. And I, I kind of, I think I might play a Durgar before a Dwarf um, even though it's got less customizable options because the things that are here are pretty powerful. And like I said earlier, I do like the fact that they do have some options available to them. They, I think they initially have more options than the changeling, and then they have these other traits where like they can get any dwarf racial trait that replaces a few of the other traits. So they, a lot more customizability, which is something I really like in races. It makes them feel more varied, more alive. How do we feel about their theming with just two pages worth of content? Did they hit a good theme? It's hard for me to say because, you, like you said, you do a lot of homebrew, and I'm trying to look at like the story they come from, and I don't know much about the quest for the sky, which is where a lot of the lore of orcs and dwarves and drow come from. Um, but I, I definitely think they're interesting. I think they're, I, I think they do have more flavor than the actual regular dwarves. Mm-hmm. Like you're, I don't think I would go to this before a dwarf, but I feel like if I had to make a character, like all right off the bat, I have a lot more to work with than I do with a dwarf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they did accomplish giving them their own theme. It's worth having this entry. Unlike, and I feel bad because the change was the first thing we covered and we didn't really like it much. It changed. We were kind of like, well, I'm not sure exactly. Kind of okay at a theme. This, it, it did seem like if we do want to alternate to the drow for the dwarves, I felt like this accomplished that. All right, next week is the Gilman, Christian. I'm interested to see how they make these different from the, um, the Undyne's. I'm interested to see how they make them different than the merfolks. We'll see if they have their own theme here. I think that's where this is where most dangerous territory. They might tread on some other people's themes. I'm very interested to see how, how that goes on. Gilman are the flippy floppy fishy people, right? Yes, they're flippy floppy fishy people. That's actually the entire description. You've nailed it. <laughs> I should be a writer for Paizo. <laughs> they're they're Waterworld people is what they are. All right, let's the Kevin Costner from Waterworld. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Thank you all for listening. Class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great Pathfinder podcasts, visit our site, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? You can email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. I've been Nicholas Laborde. Thanks for listening. Hey, Brian, you want to play role-playing games tonight? I can't. My body's trapped in this strange membrane. Wow. Should I take you to a doctor? Nah, it feels really good. Just put my earbuds in. No, that's just wrong. But here at Tales from the Lich, we're all right. When you can't play, listen. (sighs) TalesFromTheLich.com
That's just wrong. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. My friend Christian and I were just playing some role-playing games. Hey, Caleb, do you think these guys would be interested in joining us? You know, I bet they would. I mean, if they listen to Pathfinder Academy, they gotta be cool, right? If role-playing games are your thing, why don't you guys check out our other podcast, Trailblazers? Trailblazers is an actual play podcast where you can see many of the concepts addressed in this show come to life. Season 2 of Trailblazers has been great so far, and I especially like that you can get into it without any prior knowledge of Season 1. It's definitely a fun adventure, especially if you like mysteries and a dash of cyberpunk with your fantasy. If high fantasy is more your style, then consider giving Season 1 a listen. You can listen to Trailblazers on this very feed. We've got a bunch of other ways to listen as well, so go to our site tblazer.net for a complete list of the ways that you can listen. So go ahead, grab some dice, and join us. Alright Christian, you come across an obviously important character to the plot, what do you do? I immediately shoot him in the face. Ugh, Christian.